Welcome to the Gen Z Show, the only show dedicated to young leaders and those who work with them to create a positive revolution that will inspire this generation to impact future generations. With your host, James McLean. Welcome to the Gen Z Show. I'm your host, James McLean, and I'm here with my daughter, Sarah Beth McLean, who is now Miss McLean. She is two and a half months into your teaching job. Is that right? Roughly, yeah. Coming up on three. <laughs> Woo! That's a long time to be two and a half months with students. Like, yes, yeah. I started in July, so it's been like four or five months. Yeah, and the students been. have been there about two and a half. So, are you feeling any stress in this new job? Yes, yeah. With a new job comes a lot of new responsibilities. Uh, figuring out a lot of things I didn't know that I didn't know. Um, <laughs> so, but it's been fun. <laughs> Just a little stressful here and there. Well, speaking of stress, when you were in college or high school, did did you or any of the peers that you had, any of your fellow classmates, did y'all talk about the stress that you were under and, and what it felt like? Oh, yeah, all the time. Um, I mean, we were all under a lot of stress just trying to do well in classes and um, trying to, you know, keep up good grades, learn everything that we we're supposed to learn in a short amount of time and um, just extracurriculars. A lot of my friends were super involved. So our schedules were always busy. So we always had something on our minds. <laughs> well, if you remember, and I hope our audience uh, might recall, earlier this year, we shared a study from the Centers for Disease Control that showed that in 2021, they had interviewed uh, youth across the nation and almost a third of the youth number is not quite a third, but it's close. Almost a third of the youth had said that they felt stressed, that their mental health was bad and stress was one of them, either all the time or most of the time. That was an amazing statistic that they had. Do you agree with that in any way? Oh, yeah. Um, the amount of students that I have that come to me and tell me that they're stressed out or they have a lot going on or they're anxious about stuff is uh, insane. I never I never thought it was that bad, but maybe it was just me and I just didn't talk to enough people. But yeah, I'm not super surprised. But yeah, I believe it. <laughs> well, if you're stressed and you know youth are stressed, this show today is for you. Our guest today is Rich Taylor. Now, Rich is a longtime friend of Generation Ziggler. He's been working as our graphic designer for for years since the conception. He's been in that advertising business for 40 years, but he was using stress as really a motivator throughout his career. And he began to see that this was having negative side effects. So he kind of has shifted gears in his life and has become a diet, lifestyle, and stress prevention expert. You know, he has discovered a lot of the secrets of what causes stress, he has examined it from every single angle. And today we went into a really in-depth conversation with Rich about what causes stress and what youth can do about it and, and just all the different aspects of it. So I want you to look down in the show notes because there's going to be links to his new book, uh, Stress-Free Work, that he has put out. Actually, he has two books, Stress-Free Work and the original one, Stress-Free You, which is the original one that he did. And he co-authored those uh, with Matt Rush, who is who is one of our uh, founders here at Generation Ziggler. But let's just stop talking because you're getting stressed right now listening to me. So let's go straight to our conversation with Mr. Rich Taylor.
Rich, welcome to the Gen Z Show. Thank you for being my guest today. Um, glad to be here, James. Thanks for inviting me. And we had that conversation about a week ago. I feel like we're just going to pick up back where we started. We last we, left we, it. We certainly are. And for our guest, I mentioned this beforehand, you and I have known each other. You, you've been a part of Generation Ziggler and putting together things for us from day one. You were right there with us in, in 2015 when we when we started this whole process. So you, um, as as the Matt, who's a, who's a friend of both of ours, uh, said, Rich gets what we do. And that's why, you know, you, I've always had a good connection with you. Well, I appreciate that. And I've been working with the Ziegler organization for almost 30 years. So um, it, it's been a blessing, you know, uh, working directly with Mr. Ziegler himself and now with Tom. So, well, we're grateful that you haven't. And we're, we're going to be talking about some things today that I think are very timely and evident. But our audience heard uh, a little bit about you from me at the beginning of the show, but I, they always want to hear from our guests. So if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself to the Gen Z audience. Sure. My name is Rich Taylor, and um, I been a graphic designer for my whole entire career. And when I went to art school a long time ago, I remember we had this uh, gentleman come in from a local advertising agency. And he said, I have this project. Any of you students want to work on it? And I didn't put my hand up because I wasn't one of the best students. But some of the best students put their hand up and said, yeah, I'll do it. Then they asked the most important question, when do you need it? And a gentleman from that agency said, I need it yesterday. And that's always been the term in advertising. But the problem is that whole hustle mentality is now in everything. Mm -hmm. it's, it's every job, not just ad agencies. It's at home. It's at school. It's at play. It's at leisure. It, people take crazy hustle vacations where they go all over the crates. So I'm just saying that the stress level has gone up way high. And I, I bought into it. I'm guilty of it. And the reason I know so much about stress is because I did so many things wrong for a long time. So I, you know, I got into this thing where, you know, what mountain you want me to climb today? And, you know, there's always another mountain with a client. And, you know, they always, it's always rush, rush, rush in this business. And I'm fine with it. It's like going to an emergency room. You can't say, well, I'm going to take lunch now. No, it's, it's got to get taken care of. So, um, I, I found out that after years of doing this, how stress was affecting my life, my health, everything. And I was stress eating and uh, it just, it wasn't good. I, I started developing even some medical issues that I fortunately learned how to fix, but um, it's been an eye-opening experience. And I realized how dangerous stress is. And I realized how stress is the number one thing behind pretty much every problem we have in our society. You know, it's, I'm glad you shared with me because I've known you as our designer and, and putting together anything for us graphically. And I was always uh, wondering how you transitioned into wanting to share and work with people about stress. And so I'm glad you shared with that some some of the background, the history of that, because that's always been something that I've thought of. Like, how, did he, how did that happen? How did that go through it? So you want to expand on that a little bit before yeah. we go? A little bit. And, and I've been in the self-help industry for a long time. A lot of my mm -hmm. clients have been self-help. The art director, they get motivated seminars. We had Zig speak at everyone and all the famous people. And I remember I was walking down the hallway one day and I was, I'm like this ultra rational person, probably too much to a fault. And I'm thinking to myself, we, we give all these people all this great information from the greatest 
world leaders, presidents, celebrities, sports coaches, you name it. Why doesn't everyone just get it? Why don't you like, okay, this is how it is. And this is what you need to fix it. I mean, that's kind of how it works in science. But what's the component that's missing? And like, when someone hears that they have a problem, if this is a solution, why don't they just act on that, that solution? Mm. And it's struggle. And then it, the light bulb went off, like 20 years later, and I found out it was because stress. When someone hears facts, facts only matter if you're in a rational state of mind. And that's why this whole self-help industry is is kind of challenged now because um, probably 95% of the people in the Western society, modern Western society, are in some form of stress response, which means literally it's called fight, flight, or freeze. Stress is our body's ability to prevent us save us if someone's walking along uh and they get you know into a stress response because they're threatened by a tiger or a bear or a mean dog immediately this the body has a switch like a circuit breaker it cuts from one part of the brain the cerebral cortex which is huge to the amygdala which is like 0.3 percent of the brain it's really good at getting you out of danger fight flight or freeze but it's terrible at rational decisions so so many people are in this fight, flight, or freeze response, working from the part of the brain, which is great at getting you out of danger, but it's terrible at rational decisions. That's why people, when they hear what they need to do, don't do it. And even sometimes look at it as a threat and will do the opposite. Hmm. How do, how do you think, well, let, before we go into that question, I was going, I want to show you something and get your thoughts on this. This is a, this is a result of a survey that was conducted by the Centers for Disease Control in 2021. It was over a six-month time period in which they asked youth a variety of different questions. And one of the questions was, was this. And for those of you who are listening, I'll put a link to this in the show notes so that you can find this survey. Uh, and, I will, and I encourage you also to go and look at uh, the YouTube video as well so you can see this stat. But it says that they asked them, how is your mental health? And one of the responses was, my mental health was most of the time are always not good, which included stress, anxiety, and depression. 31% of all youth that responded said that, hey, I am under some kind of mental health problem, including stress, most of the time. What do you think about that? What What, what is your immediate response to seeing that? I think that's very accurate, and that's a progression, because first, it's stress. What happens is, our bodies have that stress response. I give an example. When I was a kid, I was riding my bike home from school and in New Jersey. I rode past the firehouse, and I was just across the street. And it was just a very small street. And they blew their fire horn. It was like a, uh, like this. And it was like so loud. It was just, mm. and I literally felt pins and needles go from the top of my head. It worked its way all the way through to my feet. It was a strange experience. And that's a stress response. Now, was I in danger? No, but my brain couldn't figure out that I was in danger. And I just, it shocked my body. So our stress response is there to save our lives, to get away from the tiger or the bear or get out of danger. But we're not supposed to be in it any more than 90 seconds. And in that 90 second response, either you were eaten by the tiger or you killed the tiger and had it for lunch or you froze and the tiger ran away. We're not supposed to be in a stress response more than 90 seconds and really not more than one or two times in our life if that's it. But I'm honest, most people are in a chronic form of stress, which means they're in it 24 seven. 
And uh, so stress is the stress response. When people talk about stress, it's actually your body's response to danger. And it dumps in uh, cortisol and adrenaline and all those things to give you the power to fight it. So by being in stress response all the time, chronic stress, that's anxiety. Anxiety comes from being in stress continually. It wouldn't happen for me from one or two times. And then from that, if you're in uh, anxiety, the next step is depression. So it's a progression. So mm. you don't go from stress to depression. You go stress, anxiety, depression. So it's a great graphic, great thing. And uh, But we're, we're not meant. So when you take something that is not meant to be in a response like that. It's like taking your car, James. You go take your car, you turn it on, you put it in neutral, and you put your foot to the floor and you floor it. And the car's engine is just revving. Well, that might be okay for a few seconds. It might even clear out the fuel injectors or something like that. But you do that for 24 hours a day, day in and day out. Your car is not going to last very long. It's going to break down. I love what you just said. Uh, and, and let's go back to that. When you said that the progression is stress, anxiety, and depression. Did I get that correct? Absolutely. That is that is the first time I've heard that in that sequence. So when we talk about youth undergoing a lot of depression nowadays, we're saying it's, it's a cycle that they first are hitting that stress level, and then it's kind of progressing from there. Is that right? Right. And, and I think the thing about everybody has bought into this hustle mentality. And that's where even a lot of the uh, millennials and people in their 20s and 30s at jobs now, they're doing what's known as called silent quitting. Silent mm -hmm. quitting, have you heard of that? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. all over the news this week. Yeah, so basically what that means is like when the boss comes in and says, okay, everyone, we need to get this project done by 2 o'clock or else the whole company's going out of business, you'll be out of a job, and they use stress as motivation, which is horrendous. Any boss that uses stress as motivation is not a good boss, not a good manager. They're actually, what they're doing, they're putting their employees in a stress response, which takes away all their creative problem-solving skills, and they just act like robots to try to get the thing done, and they'll get it done just to get out of danger. It's not gonna. It's not a good response. And I've worked with clients like that, where they come in and they, they, hey, get this done by five, and they walk away probably feeling like really macho, like I'm on a power trip. You just destroyed your, the, not the, just the morale, but the creativity of, and problem solving skills of all your employees. But what I'm trying to say is, sign of quitting is like they're not into that anymore. So when when the pressure comes, they freeze, and they they work at half speed. So that's what really it's part of the stress response: fight, flight, or freeze. And uh, that's that's what the silent quitting comes from. Why do you think youth are undergoing are, are undergoing this much stress? Is this to you know statistic is showing that we I just put back up that thirty one percent are are saying that most of the time I am under this kind of anxiety or depression. I, I very uh, I'm going to tell you something that most people probably are not aware of. And my research told me this. And again, I'm not a doctor. It's not medical advice, just food for thought. But, And I'm old enough to, to see the difference. But around 1975, 76, that's when the threshold of both parents working that had children crossed the 50% mark. Before that, James, when I was growing up in the 60s, that was a long time ago, in my neighborhood in New Jersey, it was an upper middle class neighborhood, uh, of a hundred homes, one mother was working out of a hundred homes. And that's because the mm. family had a hairdressing business since you do part-time help. That was it. All the other moms are home all the time. So if you always have one of your parents at home, and especially moms who are really much more caring than most guys are, 
my dad went to work every day at the same time, came home at the same time. And when he was home, he was home. He wasn't connected to work. He was reading his newspaper or watching TV or interacting with the family. So this whole thing about technology, I just want to go back to the double, both parents working around 1975. You'll see a lot of things. They'll say this obesity epidemic happened around 1975, 76, because that's when they took all the fat out of the food and they replaced it with sugar and carbs. Remember the food pyramid? It was really right. wide at the bottom. Eat tons of carbs. Well, now we know that's not healthy, but um, that was the worst thing they could do. So um, that they blame that for the, the obesity epidemic is not an obesity epidemic. It's a stress pandemic. And I can get into the thing about diet and stress a little bit later. But um, so when both parents are working, it's very stressful for the family. Now they're juggling jobs and raising kids. And like I told you before last week, the most important job anybody in this planet can do, most important one, and it's a hard one, is raising kids to be successful adults. Yeah. Um, it By far, I don't care a world leader, cure for this, nothing. If everyone raised their kids the right way, everything's easy. You don't need all this other stuff, okay? So now you have these kids growing up in a stress-filled homes where parents are yelling at each other, got to go, go to daycare, the babysitter's coming, you got to go to after-school care, I'll pick you up, then we're going to run you to soccer practice. And then they get home and they start yelling, do your homework. You haven't done your homework or why not? And here's the thing too, when a parent yells, and this is, I didn't realize this just recently, when a parent yells, especially the father at their children, and it could be like, hey, did you do your homework yet? Or did you take the garbage out? When a parent yells, it triggers the stress response. And why is that? It's supposed to be like if the family's walking in the woods and all of a sudden the dad sees a snake and he says, look out. I mean, that's what that's for. My mic just slipped. But not for when you're having a, not for when you haven't done your homework. Okay. So this is, this happens all the time in families. They're communicating by yelling parent to parent, parent to kid, kid to parent. And they're in a 24 seven stress response. Wow. Ah, that's uh that's that's amazing that, that that happens in that regards. And I'm thinking about how it does. Did, were, did we have the, this kind of level of stress with youth when you and I were were young? I, I just don't remember it being talked about. I don't remember it talked about. And I think about, too, when you said about parent yelling, I know that we are more conscious now about instructing and giving parents advice on how to work with their children and how to raise them on how to do positive discipline and, you know, be not as yelling where our parents probably didn't have that concept. Theirs was yell first, you know, at least that was, or was in my home. Did we have this, you know, I'm seeing the levels rise. I don't remember it being as high. I feel like I'm rambling, but I think you understand what I'm saying. No, you're spot on James, because like when I was a kid, uh, you know, as far as stress goes, I mean, I grew up in, you know, post-World War II where we had bomb shelters, fallout shelters mm -hmm. um, in my town, you know, and, you know, fallout from radioactive because that was the Cold War. It was really booming then. You know, it's funny because uh, in, in Connecticut where I lived, they had this, it's a park called Nike Park. And um, uh, they used to have Nike missile silos. In these towns, in your neighborhood, there'd be like down the street, there's a thing called the Nike missile site. It could be right next to expensive homes. And the government would just put these missiles, Nike missile sites to, to defend the country in case of attack from the enemy. And uh, I was working with a young 
you know, a teen, I mean, she was like 20 years old at the time. And she thought that the Nike, and, and what happened was when they got rid of the missile silos, they turned them into parks. Mm. So it was referred to as in Westport, Connecticut, there's a thing called Nike Park, but she thought it was named after the tennis, the sneaker. <laughs> it's not victory, her fault. Victory, victory. You know, it's not her fault, but I mean, it's just, you know, uh, so I, I, you and I, we grew up in the, the threat of nuclear annihilation 20 times over. And uh, just they've been talking about it recently and people I think are so numb, they don't even realize it. But, uh, but the thing is, is that, like I said, my dad, he went to work. My mom was home all the time. You know, dinner was on the table. My dad came home. They would sit and talk with each other. Uh, they'd always have my parents when they came home my mom met him at the door my dad at the door gave him a kiss they'd go into the, the living room they'd have a cocktail have a cocktail hour they would talk to each other as human beings then dinner was already ready so they would all sit down our family of six and we'd eat dinner together every night the tv wasn't on or anything and there's just so much less stuff the technology didn't exist i mean uh, if you wanted a mobile phone in those days, it was the phone that had the really long curly cord that you could like stretch around the corner if you wanted privacy. We had one phone line in the house, two phones. And if someone called and you're on the phone, you got a busy signal. So mm -hmm. there's this immediate thing. If you wanted to learn something, you had to go to the library and look it up in an encyclopedia. There's no instant access. And, you know, nobody took selfies of themselves. If you took a selfie back then, printed out the photos and send it out to all your friends and be like, what an arrogant idiot you are. Why are you doing this? You know, now it's, it's, it's normal. And then if and you plus don't get it, it would take you a couple of weeks to do that. Yeah, it would. It would. And a lot of money too. Yeah. Um, and the instant gratification was gone. So what there were was no the likes. You get? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I only got 12 likes on this post. Well, I mean, it's, I know someone that, uh, she, um, she signed up for one of those things where, you know, you sell the products for another company and mm -hmm. she posted it on Facebook. It was like women's athlete, uh, apparel. It was probably really good quality stuff. And she posted it and nobody ordered anything. And she got, was so upset. It's like nobody needed it. Okay. But she took it offensively. So when you're in a state of progression, stress, anxiety, and depression, a lot of things can creep in like narcissism. You're not a narcissist but you become very self-absorbed. You become like a hedonistic pleasure seeker that all you want to do is have pleasure because when you're depressed, you're going to always go to the things that give you a little bit of a dopamine push. And that's why people spend money when they shouldn't. That's called retail therapy. They'll eat foods they shouldn't eat. And real quickly on the food is a lot of people, they may want to go on a diet. And, and you know, Matt, Matt has done a lot of speeches for us. And he'll, one of the things they'll do is say, everyone who's uh, gone on a diet, raise your hand. Everyone has gone on a diet um, and stayed on it and done two. They raised their hand, three, four, five. And then he says, how many people are still on the diet? None. So 95% of all diets and even like financial budgets and even self-help fails because people are in a stress response. And really quickly about the diet is, if you have a really stressful day at work, your body doesn't know the difference between a stressful day at work or being chased by a tiger. So you've burned through all this extra glucose, which is your body's fuel source. And when you're, you're in a stress response, your body literally goes to all parts of your body. It puts cortisol into your blood to extract all this energy out to use it. And your brain uses 13% more cortis, uh, glucose just as it is. So you come home, you're exhausted, and, uh, and you're hungry or you're hangry, 
And so you open the refrigerator. On the left is a bowl of steamed broccoli, nice, healthy steamed broccoli. On the right is this nice, decadent chocolate eclair. I don't know if people eat those anymore, but anyway. And so you know in your mind the healthy thing to eat is the broccoli. Yeah, but your that. brain is going to fight against you and say, eat the eclair, eat the eclair. We want instant glucose. We want the glucose to come back in. We need to feed the body because it's depleted with glucose, mm. and which makes it even more challenging if you're on a diet is that after you eat the eclair, it sends a signal to your brain like, okay, mission accomplished. It sends a pleasure thing saying, hey, we needed it. You filled up our tank. Thank you very much. You eat the broccoli, you're gonna be like, that didn't do it. I still, I still don't feel right. So how do you do that? Well, if you wanna go on a diet and be successful, you have to first get rid of the stress. If you don't get rid of the stress, or if you wanna go on a budget, it's the same thing. You're gonna, you're gonna go spend money on something that you don't, you don't need. And here's what it is. When we're in a stress response, James, it only thinks of the present. It doesn't have any memory. Your brain is can't the amygdala part of the brain can't comprehend anything in the past. Like, okay, I did these things in the past. It wasn't a good idea. So I'm not going to do it again. No, that doesn't exist. And there's no future. It's only thinking in the nasty now and now. Okay. So there's no way for you to even like, think like, okay, if I do this, I'm going to gain weight or I'm going to spend money I don't have. or And that's why, James, eight out of 10 people in this country have consumer debt. Mm. And, and how, how is that possible? One of the most successful, uh, prosperous countries in the world, they're spending money on stuff that was they may think is a necessity because in the moment it is, but in reality, they, they don't need to spend it. Hmm. Hmm. Why do you? Th what are some of the causes of stress? Do you think among youth? Um, I'm, I'm thinking uh, that we got parents that are listening right now, or people who are working with youth, and they're like, "Hey, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing some of my kids even depressed. There's high levels of anxiety. They're always on edge, and and I can tell they're stressed. But I, I need to go to the root cause. I need to go and find those root causes. Help me, Rich. Tell let, let's tell them what some of those root causes might be for someone who is like under the age of 23, 24, which you know, we were saying, I think back at that time in my life, I was carefree. I don't remember. Yeah, I had college exams, but, you know, I, I kind of had a big picture mentality of it. And it was like, eh, if I make a C, I make a C. If I make an A, I make an A. You know, just as long as I get out of here with my degree, I'll be great going forward. And, and as a result, I kind of enjoyed everything. I don't, I never had an all night pulled an all nighter in college. I figured by midnight, if I didn't know it, it wasn't going to happen. So I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have those stressful test nights. Yeah, well, that's because you didn't procrastinate. And one of the things you do, <laughs> okay. <laughs> one of the things that people do when they're in a stress response, a freeze response, they procrastinate. And then what happens? You, you still have to get it done. So now you're like waiting till the last minute. You'll see a lot of people that are late for work just because they're in a partial freeze response and they get there last minute or they're stressed all the way to get to work. That, and then they're even more stressed. It just starts the whole cycle. So why is it? Well, I think it goes back to both parents working. That's mm -hmm. definitely it. Uh, and then, like I said, uh, the financial pressure, because when you're in a stress response from both parents working, now you have, um, you're spending money on things you don't need. I mean, my parents were in the depression and they caught and taught us like, you never know and you need to save enough money. And so that you always have a rainy day fund. I like to call it a sunshine fund, but uh, you know, so, but a lot of these people don't have a rainy day fund. So 
their only rainy day fund is a credit card, but the credit card's probably maxed out anyway. So they're living on the edge financially. And like I hear like stuff that, you know, millennials do sometimes and, you know, they have they're in debt. They have an old car and they have like no money in the bank. And if they go on a vacation or they'll go out and do this or they go out and eat every day of the week. Um, so but again, the stress response, you have no future and no past in your mind. So that's what you're doing. So it's kind of a self-perpetuating problem. The more deeper you get yourself stressed, the more mistakes you're going to make, which is going to make you more stressed, which is going to make you more anxious, which will make you more depressed. And when you're depressed, you know, people say, well, just have a good night's sleep or take a hot shower or a hot bath or go get a massage. If someone's depressed, that's like someone in a basement with no way out. Okay. Mm. So, and there is a way out. I don't want to discourage people and, and we can get to that, but you know, to a person isn't depressed, they don't understand that person's they they're in a they're in a hole and they, they don't know how to get out. They literally don't know how to get out. And like I said, the way to get out is to work backwards is to get rid of the anxiety by de-stressing your life. And that's why we came up with this thing called the stress, switch. a stress, switch is a person, place, or thing that causes stress. And there's hundreds of them that people have, and they need to identify what those stress switches are and just turn them off. I give you a couple examples real quickly. Watching the news. The news mm -hmm. is designed to keep you in a stress response. I mean, you think when you and I grew up, uh, it was 30 minutes of Walter Cronkite or Huntley and Brinkley, and it was just the news. You could have changed from any channel. It was all the same thing. Now it's all you know in your face. It's all... Uh, divided between right and left and up and down and stuff like that. It's not news anymore. It's all it's all stuff to keep you in a stress response. And why is that? Because it's 24-hour news, and the best way to keep you watching for 24 hours, which is really only 30 minutes of news, is to keep you in a stress response, okay? That's why they do it. It's just the same way uh, an, an attorney will cross-examine a witness in a courtroom. They put them in a stress response, and when they do that, then they get them – to uh, say all these things that they probably shouldn't say, or the salesperson puts sales pressure on you. Why do they do that? Because they know they're going to get you thinking from the part of the brain. They'll make you make an emotional response, and you get home like, why did I buy that? I don't need a bass boat. I don't live within 500 miles of water, you know? <laughs> but but I thought I needed it at the time. So that's kind of how it is. So we're in a society with the technology, with the fast pace, with Suddenly people, especially the youth, have so many stress switches turned on that they're stressing themselves out. Um, you know, sports, watching sports. We talked about this last week. Sports is, you're in a stress, if you're just casually watching a golf game, it's one thing. But if you're rooting for your team, you're in a stress response for those mm -hmm. three hours. And you're going to be eating garbage food and you're going to yell at TV and then on it's on a Sunday, next day you go back to work. I don't watch sports anymore at all. If I really want to watch like the Buccaneers, who I'm a fan of in Tampa here, if I find out they won, I go on YouTube and I watch the 14-minute highlights, and I enjoy it because I know they won. It's zero stress, and I'll go I, in 14 minutes to see the whole game. It's wonderful. Uh, here's another one, quick one. A lot of people like because on their phones they can check their investments all the time, like how my stocks did today or whatever. And uh, it used to be, you know, like I had to wait till the paper. I got home and I looked at the paper and I looked through all the little tables to find, oh, yeah, I went up three-eighths or whatever. Like now you can see it like in real time. Yeah. I only check my investments once a year on my birthday. That's it. Unless I'm going to buy or sell, I only check it on my birthday. 
because there's days maybe I lost $2,000 and some days I made $5,000. I don't want to stress myself out. And you only, you only make money or lose money is when you sell it. So uh, I, 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 those are all stress switches I've turned off in my life. That's why I live my life predominantly stress-free. So we have so much control. And a job, if you have a job that's extremely stressful, maybe you ought to look at finding another job. You know, I, I, about five or six years ago, I went to a doctor who did a complete blood panel and a saliva panel, hormonal panel. And when did, we were going over this stuff, he said, well, how do you feel about stress in your life? And I was like, well, I, I really don't think I stress about a lot of stuff. I, I just kind of let it go. He says, well, your panels show otherwise. And, and he started pointing out that maybe I didn't worry and I was using uh, the concept of worrying and relating that to stress. And he was trying to get back to me saying that's not necessarily the same thing. Um, and, and I think you're alluding to that and showing that that it's this, you know, the stress response. Maybe there were just certain situations work wise or job wise or the pressure wise that I was voluntarily putting me, myself in to that that was causing this. So that just came to mind all of a sudden. I don't know. No, why. that's a good point. I think wor <laughs> worrying and I used to be big on worrying. Uh, it, I think it's a form of anxiety. It's like a mm. low level form of, of anxiety where you're, you're constantly thinking like, okay, what, what, what bad can happen now? And, yeah. And see, that, I don't think in those terms ever. So I always thought, Oh, I'm stress-free, but maybe I right. wasn't. Yeah. And again, that also comes from watching the news all the time. Some people have it on 24 seven. And I remember one time we had this, uh, this family member over and they, they made some kind of comment about a health related thing. And I was always kind of like studying this kind of stuff. And I replied to him, well, you know, they said, and I gave him the answer. And he looked at me and says, who's they? And why should I care? I'm like, well, you know, they, they're the, uh, they're the, I don't know who they are. Why did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> so I don't say they said anymore. Well, you know, these stress switches, you, you've perked my interest on those. And I'm, I was thinking through those things about how can adults help youth identify what possible stress switches they are? Because I'm thinking of some maybe social media. Absolutely, yeah. What are if some of the other things that, that you and I can just, you know, speculate out loud could be some stress switches that are for uh, youth as, as it's going through? Well, this is, you know, how many you how many people binge watch, you know, uh, streaming, you know, movies and television? Uh, mm. tell, you know, think about it. How, like a movie. They're all, it's all drama. It's all dramatic. It's just, again... When you begin a movie, something really bad happens, and then they spend the next hour, two hours, three hours, or whatever. And at the very end, the hero finally wins, but then they get knocked down, and the bad guy comes back to life, and then he gets knocked down, and the bad guy comes back to life again, and they finally win, and they go out. I mean, all these movies are a stress response they, because that's how they have to keep you engaged. Mm -hmm. And I remember once I wrote this book. It was a novel, and I sent it to my cousin who's like this, you know, uh, Harvard graduate, and he's – Guy's genius. And I sent it, and he sent it back to me. He says, it's no good. I said, why not? He says, there's no drama in it. I'm like, I, well, I didn't want to put any drama in it. I want it to be a nice book. He goes, no, unless you put drama in it, there's no plot. You know, it's, no, it's not going to work. So that's how, that's how we're, that's how the media keeps us constantly engaged. You know, the news, breaking news. It's always breaking. Well, it's breaking news because <laughs> it's broken. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> And, and I think also, as far as youth goes, you know, they're in school a lot. A mm -hmm. lot of their life is in school. And I'm, I'm a perfect example. 
I was I was a terrible student. I'm a creative person, but I was the round peg in a square <laughs> hole. There was no place for me. I mean, after like third or fourth grade, you know, I can handle math, and I wasn't good at it. spelling bees. I was the fir- I was the first person down at spelling bees. To think that someday there'd be like an autocorrect spell check. I mean, if you had told me back that in the '60s, I'd be like, "That's amazing. I love that because I was a lousy speller." Um, I am too. I was too. Yeah. Yeah, but the point I'm making is, is that I, I, I was, I'm just a creative person. That's why I became an artist, and uh, so all through my, you know, grades, I, I had terrible grades. I mean, I, I was a perfect student conduct wise, so at least I get an A in something. But all my other grades were like C's and D's and E's, and I, I told told people in high school I took Spanish three three times, Spanish one three times. No, I took Spanish three. I took Spanish one three times is what it was. I just couldn't figure it out. Um, and then when they got into algebra and geometry, you know, X times Y, should I care? I mean, I couldn't figure <laughs> out. I couldn't figure, I still to this day don't know what X and Y is. It's, I know the chromosomes, but like what's that got to do with algebra? Find X or Y. I don't know who he is. You know? Yeah. So my point is, is like um, I was very stressed going to school because I hated it when you're the teacher's talking and you don't know what they're talking about. And literally when they put tests in front of me, I would like go in a freeze response and I didn't realize it at the time. Like my, I would start getting sweaty and my brain would like literally freeze and it wasn't from drinking at a cold drink. It was literally my brain was freezing. And I think a lot of youth may, may experience that's a stress response because you're in a situation, stress is one of the ways to look at it. You're in a situation where you have no control over it. That will also trigger a stress response. And when you look at at a test in front of you and you know, you need to get a good grade, you have no idea what those questions are, the answers mm-hmm. are, that's very stressful. So finding out, realizing that in this world now, you know, you know, in our world, it was always, you go to school, get a good education, get into a college, get a job, and then you move on in life. Now there are so many other ways of making uh, money. I, I was listening to one of your podcasts, so one of the kids did a poop, uh, pooper scooper thing for dogs. Yeah, yeah. It was making $150,000 a year doing that well you don't need college for that you know so there's so many ways that you can walk dogs um i i was a young man is is it was at uh texas tech when he started it and i I think he's getting out of uh, school because he's like why do i need school i got a business yeah Yeah. no another example i was sitting down with this one kid that worked for uh italian ice factory in tampa because this is florida and we probably sell more italian ice than colder places and he was telling me that he used to work there and make an hourly rage so then he would he would buy the Italian ice and then he'd go on the street in downtown Tampa at lunchtime from 11 to 2 every day. And when people came out, he would sell his ice, Italian ice for whatever, $2 or $3 for you know, a scoop of it. It was really good stuff. And I said, how much after after um, your expenses? I think he said he bought an Italian, a tub of Italian ice for like $16 wholesale. And I said, mm. like, after all your expenses, like how much did you net every day working those three hours? Oh, he's made $150 a day working three hours selling Italian ice. He's making $75,000 a year working three hours a day and can take a day off anytime he wants. And he says, well, I'm quitting to go to college. I'm like, why are you going to college? Why? Exactly. I was saying to say that. Like, why are you just doing keep, that? You know, grow the business, hire people to work for you. Yeah. So there are so many ways if you don't fit, if you're in school and you know the only thing they're teaching you is algebra and geometry, trigonometry, and those kind of things, you know maybe you don't fit into that 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 shape or whatever. 
but there are so many ways, you know, YouTube, people talk about, you know, they're on YouTube talking about playing video games. I mean, it's insane. So many ways of making money without having any, like if you wanted to start a business, you may need thirty, forty thousand dollars. Now you just you could do it with your phone, yeah. And you and you could have a a business, and you might do really well at it, and you might do something where you're really passionate about. It, you may really enjoy. Yeah, I mean, you know, I th I'm I'm thinking of a of a young man that is a family that I know very well locally here, who last fall, I think was going through your progression of stress, anxiety, and depression. Uh, started school, started college last fall. And about midway, you know, at the uh, the, you know, the the mid-semester point, you know, when they were having midterms and stuff, he wasn't doing up to his level, his capability. And I know that the the parents were, you know, were on his case. They got his grades back. He'd come home uh, to visit a couple of days. They talked about him. Well, somewhere after that, he moved into a depression state and just completely walked away from everything. And when he got home from Christmas and they're waiting for his grades, he, he had to tell them, hey, they're nothing. I have I didn't do anything. I failed every class I did. And, and it was all because of that and he had to refunction that whole thing. And I think some of the switches that he had was procrastination. And it maybe was parents, uh, uh, you know, stress on this. Hey, you got to do this so you can move on to this. You could do that. And. And maybe even some pressure he put on himself. And some of it was the pandemic and that he had lost a whole year and a half of his life to, you know, his last year and a half of school to the pandemic. So there were all those types of things. And what are some of the things that his parents could have helped him with? Well, I, I, I don't know because I'm not in his home, but chances are if both parents are working, that puts them in a very stressful point right away. I remember we went on mm -hmm. a boat once with some friends of ours. And the husband and wife, they're three kids, and my wife and I are on the boat with them. Uh, not far from where you live, actually. Um, the big lake just north of you. But anyway, mm -hmm. um, the husband and wife are yelling at each other. Did you get the anchor? Yeah, I got the anchor. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. But are you still? No, no, you're too close. You're too far away. And like my wife and I sitting there looking at each other like, this is crazy. So parents are in a situation where they can't, you can't do, you can't work and raise kids properly. So many kids are being, you know, your daughter's a teacher. My daughter's a teacher. My wife's a school nurse. She's, she's been doing it for over 20 years. She's seen the progression of all these kids coming to school just off the case, off the wall. Mm. You know, I mean, is ADD really an issue or is ADD from kids growing up in stressful environments? I'm not a doctor. I don't know. And wow. then what are the foods that they're, you know, feeding these kids, all the sugar and carbs, the processed food, all the chemicals? Does that have an effect? Maybe. I don't know. But it's certainly not what we're supposed to eat. So, um, yeah, and I, th I think there's a lot of issues that, you know, and they say this is a tough time for kids to grow up now. Yes, stress-wise it is, but opportunity-wise, it's it's off the charts. Right. And, but you don't see opportunities if you're depressed. And I'll give you an example. My own son, uh, straight-A student, which is the total opposite of what I was. And I was, like, so proud of him because he was a straight-A student. And he got a full ride to college, paid for, 100%. So that's pretty good. Don't you agree, James? I yeah. would be ecstatic. Yeah. Well, guess what? He went to college. He didn't do well because he was no longer in the little classroom. He was in the big study hall. He had no discipline. And within a year, he dropped out. Mm. He lost his scholarship and dropped out. And uh, he would have been better just going to community college. That transition, going from 
high school where everything's kind of in a controlled classroom, you can ask the teacher, to the big study hall was too much for him. If he had gone to community college, not as prestigious for two years, but still, he would have, he would have graduated, you know, uh, he would have graduated. I'm sure he would have. And so I think this whole thing of the next step of college uh, is, is not, you know, and it's very expensive in a lot of places, is not always the best thing to do. And I think one thing for kids, I definitely wanted to make sure I brought this up. All kids need to have a eureka moment. And that's, that's what I call it, a eureka moment. That's where, like, finally, all the, all the switches, all the, the light bulb comes on in your head and you're like, oh, I get it. This is how I need to do to succeed, okay? And James, we've seen a lot of kids, especially especially guys, especially dudes, that that there's a saying now that 30 is the new 21. A lot of these kids from 21 to 30 have no idea what they want. They uh -huh. they're just wandering around, go, they're working one job to another job and spending more than what they're making just to have the fun. And the reason is because they had never had their eureka moment. And stress will keep you from having that eureka moment. I had it when I was 19. Up to that point, I was going to art school in Florida. I was a C student. Uh, my first two years, I was just, just getting by. And then I had this eureka moment. And for me, it was a spiritual one. And then it was like, literally, I went into like this. I turned into a different person. My brain said, like, this is what you It's grow up time. You're going to be an adult. And if you want to move on with life, get married, have a family, these things, you, you need to, this is what, and it's different for everybody. And at that point, every assignment the teacher gave, I did two. I would turn in two assignments. And this is crazy stuff here. I would turn in two assignments for every one the teacher gave me. And I went from being a CD student my entire life, even in art school. And my last year of art school, I got on the honor roll. And when my parents came to graduation and they saw me, they were like, you're on the honor roll. <laughs> I mean, I was like always keeping. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> no, uh, they were shocked because I I was on the honor roll. I was always you know keeping you know the top ninety percent of the class supported with my lousy yeah. grades. <laughs> but um, I have a friend so, that said I was in the top ten percent of the lower one third of my class. <laughs> <laughs> so it's doable, but that eureka moment is very very valuable, and parents can't force on a kid. But the when so many parents nowadays, they're helicopter parents. They're like, they're like hovering over them, and like when I went to art school, I would go. You know, I we lived in New Jersey at the time, and I'd go to uh, Sarasota, Florida, where I went to Ringling College of Art and School. We it was it was rough. We had no air conditioning. This is Florida, no air conditioning. Our dorms are in air conditioned. Um, I only came home at Christmas. That was it, and my parents didn't baby me. But I grew up. You know, my dad always said two reasons you go to college. One is to grow up and the other one is to learn. And um, I think so many parents try to do everything for their kids thinking they're going to help them. And I'm going to give you a really quick example of that. Growing up in New Jersey in that neighborhood I grew up in, in, in and this is also a, a casualty of stress, there's like 100 homes there and only one family was separated. They weren't even divorced. Okay, that's why the divorce rate is so high, because stress. You can't work, raise kids, and have a job, and have a successful marriage. It'll melt the love right away. So anyway, my friend Tommy Shaffrey lived down the street. He was a good friend of mine. His Because his parents were Catholic, they, were, they didn't believe in divorce back then. So uh, his parents got separated. So that meant every his dad moved out, and every Saturday his dad would pick up him and his brother and his sister, and he would take them around, and he'd spoil them. 
mm. because that was his only time with his kids. So uh, he'd always, they'd always come home throwing up and sick their stomach because they'd eat hot dogs and candy and this and that. He would just, he would just spoil them. And uh, I remember like, and his mom would go, went like into ultra health mode and like gave him so many vitamins. He actually got vitamin A poisoning. His teeth turned black and his hair fell out. So it's crazy stuff like that. But um, so this is that kind of mentality. Now that both parents are working, they feel guilty that they're not spending time with their kids. They spoil them. And a mm-hmm. spoiled kid is a rotten kid. I mean, I don't mean rotten in that way, but they're, they're, you're not going to have that eureka moment. You're not going to. Uh, you're not going to be. You're not going to grow up. My dad was in World War II at 17 years old. Wow. He had he had the Germans shooting them uh, when he was 17 years old. He 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 grew up. Okay, his parents weren't there going like, well, we're going to tell the Germans not to shoot at you today because it's your birthday. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's you man up your woman up that's how you grow up you know that's not easy he he was on a blimp doing coastal uh patrols and he said one time uh, a u-boat surfaced and shot at the blimp and now james if you're in a blimp there's no way you get out of there fast <laughs> and you're a huge target talk about stress I mean, it's not like you're on a plane that you can go boom like that. You're in a blimp. It takes like two weeks to Sunday just to turn the thing and move, you know. And so, but you grow up. So the helicopter parents are definitely not helping. I agree. And then we've moved into other types of parenting, the lawnmower parenting, the snowplow parenting, which we could go into as well. I am finding this this conversation very fascinating. And it's hard for me to to not just to think of all these different applications of how we can work with youth and how we can help them um, because I'm seeing it so much. I mean, this statistic that we shared, you know, where 31% are feeling this way, we've got to do something to help them. And again, I don't think that we need to be like helicopter parents and eliminate it. We need to help them deal with it and, and to understand how to process it and work through it more than eliminating it. Because I think if we eliminate it, we're not teaching them any coping mechanisms that later in life they're going. It, it's going to happen, and then they're going to be adults and be disaster. Would you Would you agree with me on that? You bring up the coping mechanism. There's a thing called go to. Everyone has a go to. Okay, when you're stressed, you're you're gonna you're naturally because your body wants to balance things out is going to give you're going to have a go-to some people it's eating ice cream some people it's fast food some people it's spending money retail therapy uh, but if you can develop healthy go-to's like mine is cleaning so if i have a stressful day which i don't anymore but i used to i just start cleaning because hey my house you can clean our house anytime you want to <laughs> well for me you know, it's it's healthy because it allows me to focus on a minor task and when I clean it, I can look at it and it's done and I feel good about it. It gives me good, it's a positive thing. So at the end of the day, if I spend an hour cleaning or organizing, I can feel good. If I spend an hour eating junk food, now I'm going to feel even worse and I might gain weight or I may have blood sugar issues and then I'm cranky and it just continues the whole cycle. So, you know, exercise is a great go-to because yeah, when, you're in a stress, yeah. when you're in a stress response, your body dumps this cortisol and adrenaline in there so that you can then, you know, fight the bear or the tiger or lift the heavy thing that's trapped the kid or something like that. But if you haven't physically burned that off, that rocket fuel off, it's still in your body. So that's why uh, going out for some sort of exercise burns off that excess fuel. Uh, if you leave it in there, it's not good. It causes all kinds of problems. So creating a health, understanding that we all have go-tos. Everyone's got one. 
Mm. Find, you know, try like when you're, instead of reaching for the unhealthy option or the expensive option or the unfinancially sound option, you know, ahead of time say, okay, I'm going to go play tennis or I'm going to go shoot baskets or I'm going to go out for a jog. I'm going to go for a walk. There's a thing called nature bathing. When we're walking out in nature, breathing all that oxygen, it actually de-stresses the body. You don't have to even run. Just walking in nature. I mean, look, you're looking at all this beautiful scenery, trees growing and flowers, or go to a park. Almost every town has has a park in it. Go for a walk in the park. Walk your dog. And you'll be amazed how de-stressing that is. Yeah, there's a book called, uh, I don't know, I can see it from my thing. It said, The Last Child in the Woods, which is uh, specifically talking about how nature for youth is in children in general is essential that being a part of that, that connecting with that, it will help them cope with the world. And, and, and there are whole sections in that book that allude to what you're saying uh, there. And then also that change of venue is huge. I mean, Mm -hmm. and then also understand that uh, if you're tired, you're going to be stressed. I mean, how many times as, as you, me, James, or our listeners, uh, have been trying to figure out a problem or doing a homework or trying to figure it out. And it's, it's at night and you're tired and you're going on and on. It's like, this, uh, the next day you wake up, you look at it and go like, Oh, that's how I do it. And within two yeah. seconds, you because your brain is not tired. So it's very important to feed our brain to healthy food. That's part of what the stress-free diet is. It's feeding the healthy food. If you give it garbage, guess what? you're not going to get much response. So not eating the high glycemic foods, you know, the, the things that are highly processed that may raise your blood sugar to a fast level that, you know, you're going to get instant gratification, but within two hours, your blood sugar is going to go up and then it's going to crash. And then you're going to feel tired and hungry and then you're going to eat some more of it. So, and now you just turn your, um, your pancreas into a pinata because you're constantly asking it to give out insulin. And then if you do that all the time, and this is what I did, I was I was snacking like when I'd be working, do my graphic design. I'd be like, okay, I did. I'd be eating constantly. I would eat breakfast, and an hour later, I'm snacking on all these kind of carbs. Well, snacking is actually worse than smoking, believe it or not, because when you're snacking, you're constantly keeping your blood sugar high, which means that your pancreas has to constantly uh, pump out insulin to lower the blood sugar by forcing those. Uh, sugar or glucose into the cells. So when you do that, high insulin levels is the uh, genesis of pretty much every major disease out there that you can think of from heart issues to, I don't like to mention diseases because it's stressful in itself. Uh, it can cause tinnitus. It can cause issues with your eyes. It can cause men to have issues down there. It, it can cause so many issues, uh, high insulin levels. Uh, and, you know, once or twice, no big deal. But I would, like, be snacking all day long. And and I, I found out I was, like, shocked. So, mm-hmm. yeah, snacking is extreme. So what I do now is, and that's part of the stress-free diet, um, I do what's called intermittent fasting. I don't mm-hmm. eat – I only eat three meals. I th- eat three meals a day, and I don't eat in between meals. And I only eat within a window of basically eight hours or less. And after that, I wait till the next day. And that's, you know, from like six o'clock at night till when I eat breakfast, that's when the fast ends. And that's where the word breakfast comes from. Yeah, break fast, yeah. Breaking fast. And by doing that, you regulate the insulin levels in your body, which an insulin is a fat storing hormone. So people can do all that they can exercise, they can eat right. But if your insulin levels are high because you're snacking or eating the wrong foods, 
then you're never you're gonna have a really hard time losing weight uh and you're gonna get potential for a lot of health issues exactly and stuff well rich how can our audience connect with you more so they can find out more about this information first off before i even say that i do want to uh to share with the audience those who can see uh both of the books that you have sent me here the the stress-free you and oh that one's backwards and the uh stress-free work so those are the two books that you guys can see they're there and the the links to these will be in the show notes as well so for those who are listening you're like i can't say anything uh, yeah. If you look in your show notes, you can find links to them. But how can they connect with you? Where can they find you? Just go to stressfreediet.com. And then both those books uh, are on Amazon. So you can get them on Amazon. And um, yeah, it's very simple. And just, you know, uh, I have a, a podcast called the Stress-Free Diet Podcast. It's on everywhere that you could find the podcast. And you can also get a link to it from my website, stressfreediet.com. And I have a lot of interesting tables and tips and blog posts on the website. And uh, I even have a, uh, a glycemic uh, chart that tells people if they want to see what, what are these English muffins? How many, you know, how, what's yeah. the glycemic load of that? So it's just try to help people out, not make the same mistake that I made. Well, Rich, thank you for your time today. Thank you for the support that you've given me over time. I have a project that I'm going to send to you immediately, and I needed it yesterday. So if you could get right on that, I really I gotta go get some snacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go get you some carbs so you can energize yourself up because I need it now. So what's <laughs> going on? I don't there. do those anymore, but yeah, and and I would just say this, okay? In case someone wants to know, if you have trouble losing weight, I'm I'm well past sixty five. Okay, and I weigh what I weighed in high school. It is possible because I live stress-free and I'm not eating the food and I follow the stress-free diet. So if you're frustrated with your diet, um, it works great for me. Everyone's different, but I literally weigh what I weigh in high school. So I don't think I need to weigh what I weighed in high school. I think I was underweight uh, for most of my high school career. So I mean, I'm I'm closer to my, my last year of college uh, than I, which was a great time. So, Rich, thank you again for your time. I hope that our audience, especially those who are working with you, have gained some insights on some of the things that could be causing some of the stress issues with you. Uh, see what the implications of that could be, especially like uh, our conversation on stress triggers. And and uh, as some of them were noticing, they saw me looking. Mav saw me looking down at they were looking. But I was actually looking in your book and I saw in chapter 10 on this, there's a whole area, in, a whole listing of possible stress triggers and, and, and uh, things that you can do to get over those. I think that was right. Chapter 10. Is that right? Yeah, that's I think right. there's 109 stress switches there. Yeah, that's a lot. And, and if you you'll definitely find something that will fit your situation with 100 with over 100. And in the stress tree work, I think we have 575 stress switches in that one. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's a lot. Uh, well, thank you for your time. Thank you, audience, for sticking with us. Listen, someone that you know needs to hear this podcast. Someone needs to know about it. So please like, share, and comment on this, whether or not it's on YouTube or on our favorite, uh, your favorite podcast app. We need your help to get the message out. And we'll see you again next week on the Gen Z Show. Thank you for joining us on the Gen Z Show and being a part of our community. Please subscribe to our channels on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Follow us too on Instagram and Facebook to get weekly updates. Until our next show, have a blessed day.